0: We're good. We're good. Thank you. And I didn't realize my mic was still on when someone asked me. <laughs> my eyes are a little flunky tonight. Um, I don't know what's going on with them, but it's a little blurry. So I, I make my notes a larger print anyways. Okay, so I won't even try to uh, give you a joke tonight my timing is not good when i can see well <laughs> so i don't know what it'd be like knock, knock. who's there myra. myra myron myron who hungry i got to go and feed oh that's a two <laughs> okay well, it's still better than me. What are you talking about? I, I blew him. I blew him asking that they're trying to set up the joke. That's what happened. You have to explain knock knock jokes. You know, it's a rough night for me. Okay. Again, this this is man out always the prey. Number three, not part five. That comes when I come back. Okay. Luke eighteen one, and he spake a parable unto them. To this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Now I want you to go to First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy. Chapter two. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who would have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Heavenly Father, just ask, Father, Lord, you give me clarity of thought and mind tonight and... Uh, Father, that that message you've given me for this evening, Father, I pray that it would be given clearly and succinctly, Father, and that uh, Jesus can be honored and glorified, that the believers can be uh, encouraged and exhorted, Father, more in prayer. We pray you just bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. He starts off here, and I want you to see the importance of prayer. We're going to look at parts of prayer. The parts of prayer, and you see there it says, "I exhort therefore that first supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men." Then it tells us for kings, and for all in authority, for the reason that we might live quiet and peaceable lives. I only want to say one thing to you tonight, and it's going to be—I'll repeat it when I get towards the end of the message. If I get to the end of the message, is that I don't believe enough. Born-again believers have been praying for those in authority over them in this country. We spend more time talking to other people about those in authority over us than we do to God himself, okay? Because the purpose when it tells us to pray for them is that we might live quiet and peaceable lives. You're kind of in a bubble out here in the country, and you need to understand that. It's even different in Syracuse. It's different in Auburn. It's different... (laughs) in Wolcott, than it is sometimes what we deal with. Okay, so I want you to see the first thing he says is, I exhort, therefore, first of all. The first thing he wants you to understand, he's exhorting us. Okay, I want to give you a background of the word. To exhort someone is to call them near. Okay, if you want someone to listen to you many times, you get closer to them. And sometimes, you know, I've learned... And it's hard for me because that's not my habit. If you want a child to pay attention, you get them closer and you talk softly. You talk succinctly, you talk clearly, but you make them listen to you and then have them repeat it back to you. You draw them near, okay, because there's something more personal about that, isn't it? They know that you're talking to them. God, through the Apostle Paul, wants us to know that he's talking to you tonight, okay? Okay? that uh, he wants to call you near. Uh, The second definition would be to earnestly urge, okay? Strongly advise, okay? And it's one thing when you yell across the room to somebody or in a group of people. Uh, How many of you adults have ever had you were talking to one of your children, they weren't right there, and you said their name, and you went and you tried to explain something to them, and because you weren't right near them, they go, I didn't know you were talking to me. Well, you're the only kid by this name in this house, right? <laughs> well, God will do the same with you. There's general will of God for your life, the general will of God, then there's specific and God wants to call you near so you can understand that specific will for you. And it's, again, it's to earnestly urge, to strongly advise, 2 Corinthians 9:5 and Talking about uh, in regards to giving, it says, "Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren, to exhort, to beseech." You know, and I want you to see. Go to First Thessalonians. We're going to come back to First Timothy chapter two, but go to First Thessalonians chapter four. God wants to call us near in some things. I want you to see how important it is. Every word of God is pure. There's a reason the word exhort was used, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You there? Verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more... The exhortation is in their Christian walk. So you can see, there's an exhortation to prayer that's important. Amen. An exhortation towards giving. An exhortation towards your Christian walk. In First Thessalonians chapter five, look at verse fourteen. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. And we don't want to read that last part. Be patient with all men. It's an exhortation given. Okay, there's a list of things that starts with there, and it goes down through verse 24 in things that talking about that. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Preach the word. Be instant. That means ready at a moment. Be instant, in season, out of season. When it seems like it's the right time to say, say it, and when it's inconvenient, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. See, I want you to see when it says to call near, that's part of being to exhort someone. It's also to strongly ur- and earnestly urge them and to strongly advise them. Okay, you know what happens? Many of the new Bibles take that word out, they use a different one. Okay, and I want you to understand, God's trying to get us to understand how, importance, how important prayer is to Him. I exhort, therefore, first of all. Okay, and it starts off and it says supplications. First of all, supplications. Go to Psalm 86. We're coming back to 2 Timothy. Go to Psalm 86. You know what supplications are? That's The simple thing is it's a request for needs. You're bringing supplications before God. Request for needs. Psalm 86. It's a a prayer of David. Bow down thine, thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. God is much more merciful than we are most of the time. Amen? It's part of his nature. Mercy is one of his characteristics. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my what? See, he's telling in supplications, he's made these requests, he, he's poor and needy, he wants him to preserve his soul, okay? He wants him to be merciful to him. He wants him to cause the, him, his soul to re, rejoice, Give ear, O oh Lord, unto my prayer, and attend unto the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou will answer me. If you won't call on the Lord and listen for him in the little things, you will not call on him in the big things. You may demand some things for God, but you won't humbly come before him, understanding that he's been there for you and answered prayers. So it says, first, supplications. Okay, back in our text. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks for all men. These are all parts of prayer. It's not wrong to pray about your weakness. It's not wrong to pray about your needs. It is totally necessary for you to pray about your sin if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's all done with a humble heart. If you look at the way the David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, spoke in that psalm, he came before God in humility, seeking God's face, talking about his utter dependence upon God because he could not meet those own needs, his own needs. He could not perform what was needed for him. So we see the first things that request for needs, that's supplications. Then it says prayers. Okay? You know what prayer is in many ways? We use it as a general term, supplications or a type of prayer, whatever. But prayer, many times, is an oral, verbal worship of God. Some people break into prayer and they start right out and say, oh God, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, I need, whatever. Okay? But when Jesus gave us the perfect example or the perfect pattern for prayer, he said you ought to pray like this, basically, right? Our Father, acknowledging his authority over us, which art in heaven, his position above us, hallowed be thy name. He's glorifying God. So prayer is oral worship. I want to ask you, when you go to pray, you, teach, you, know, you have to teach kids to pray. But they, they go, dear Jesus, and Jesus said, you pray to the Father in my name, so you teach them how to pray. They pray to the Father in Jesus' name because he's the mediator for you. But you start off glorifying him first, acknowledging his Position and authority over you. Okay? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. So you come to Him in humility. Okay? You see, you're worshiping Him. Do you worship God in your prayers? Do you? Do you take time to thank God? I thank God every time I can get out of bed. That may seem funny to you. It's not hard for a 21-year-old. I just turned 68, okay? And it's harder at 68 than it was at 67. That's just the truth of it, okay? And someone said, you having a good day? And I said, it's a good day, any day I can get out of bed. My chiropractor, Dr. House, praying for me because I'm going to be gone next week. He's gone, so I can't see him when I come back. I'm only in for two days, and then I fly to Chicago, and I'm gone for two to three weeks, so I won't see him in a month. I normally, to be able to function, see Dr. Howe at least once a week because there's just too much damage to my spinal cord. So he's praying for me. He says, I'll keep you in prayer, Bryant." And I says, I'll be praying for you. And so, you know, it's that ideal of giving God glory. People have prayed with me, and they say, well, sometimes you start your prayers off the same. I want to start off glorifying God. Father, thou art the, you're the creator God. You are the sustainer God. You are the redeemer God. You are the most high God of heaven and earth. Nothing is too hard for you. You are holy and righteous and just and pure and perfect in all your ways. And that would be enough, because that's all God would need to be. But you're also, first and foremost, a God of mercy and of grace. And of great love. And because of that, because of our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, because we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. You gave us this promise, Heavenly Father, that we can come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain supplication, mercy, and grace to help in time of need. And then go into the prayer. Okay, if you mean it, if it becomes something you just say because you just say that, I was raised in the Roman Catholic home. During the Lenten season, they would tell you you had to do the rosary. Okay? So that'd be 10 Hail Marys and an Our Father, 10 Hail Marys and an Our Father, 10 Hail Marys and an our Father. Okay? Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, blessed are... and people, you know, I didn't know what tongues were, and I, now I know. Okay, because they were trying to go through the prayer, and God says your prayer isn't supposed to be of much speaking. Okay, so you have prayers. Do you worship Him? Then it goes on. And it says intercessions. You know what an intercessory prayer is? It's you not praying about you. Because if all your prayers are about you, then the only person you will be thinking about is you. One of the best ways to know that God will answer your prayers is when people give you a prayer request, you keep praying. I learned this from John Wall. Moons ago. Many Moons ago, <laughs> okay, is that ideal of praying for others and then looking for their prayer, recu- the their answer to their prayer. So then you know that God answers your prayers, and when you're praying, you can have greater confidence that when you pray about a supplication, He'll answer for you. Okay, intercession, Isaiah chapter 53. Well, I'm going to look at one verse in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, in verse 12. It says, therefore, and it's speaking about, this is a prophecy about Jesus suffering on the cross for us, isn't it? This is what a picture of, of this thing. You can witness to a Jewish person by reading this. Okay, because they know that's talking about the Messiah. Isaiah 53 Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of and made what? Intercession for the transgressors. One of the last sayings on the cross, you know, there's a message that's been preached by multiple pastors and people through the, through the years about the, the sayings of the cross. One of them is, as he's nailed there, he's been beaten and scourged, he's hanging there, he's bleeding out, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's inter- in The last moments of his physical life he was interceding for me. He was interceding for you. That's what intercessory prayer is. If you take time to pray about others, God will also give you a care for those people. You have somebody you got a problem with? Find out what they need and start praying for them. It'll change the way the Holy Spirit deals with your heart as you learn to cope with that person you can't get along with. Okay? I can tell you this works. You know how it works? My wife prays for me every day. (laughs) She looks at me and sometimes I'll go, honey, do you still love me? And she goes, yes, I love you, but I'm not liking you a lot quite right now now, today. Pray for me. I am. (laughs) Okay. Intercessions. Romans 8.34. All right, I want you to see. We've looked at supplication, prayers, intercessions. Romans 8.34. When you think you have the right to judge somebody as they're going through something, okay, you have a right to bear their burden and to keep your heart right with them so God will hear your prayers. Because if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not. Hear me. Romans chapter 8 and verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is written again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also what? Intercession for us. Not only was the last group of words, because the last thing Jesus said was what? It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. After he took our sin and deposited it in the depths of hell, because that's what he did. He rose again on the third day, he ascended into heaven, and now it says He's seated at the right hand of the Father in glory, interceding for us. Amen? You want a Christ-like nature? probably I hadn't been saved very long. I hadn't been coming to to, to, even to the church in Fairhaven before this church started. I remember Pastor Christian telling me what joy was. It's an acronym. Jesus others you. Intercessory prayer. I do not like I don't say he's the person in the office. He is my president because that's the position he's in. Do I like him? Do I agree with him? Do I want to trust my grandchildren around him? No. But I pray for him every day. I pray for his soul to be saved. I pray for God to give him some understanding. That he could understand what real righteousness is. Okay? Okay? So I intercede. Do you know who your senators are? Schumer and Hildebrand. Do you know who your congressperson is? Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Do you pray for them? I pray for a quiet and peaceable life. I pray for the sheriff. You know, when we had to go through COVID, the sheriff was very, very good to us. Good man. If he runs again, vote for him. Okay? Okay. You vote whoever you want to, but I'm telling you, he's not a saved man, but he's, by the world standards, a very straight shooter and is very understanding. So you have that. The last thing it tells us in our text there of the four things, and that's supplications, prayers, intercessions, is what? 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. I gave you the first three, supplications, prayers, intercessions. What's the last one? Giving of thanks. If you rehearse past blessings, you rehearse. That's one why we love it when people give a praise for answered prayer. You rehearse what God has done good in your life, what he saved you out of, what he's protecting you from. how he's allowing you to continue to breathe because in him we live and move and have our being. If Jesus wasn't protecting the lost and the saved, he would not be breathing. So what is it? It's giving of thanks. First Thessalonians 5.18, you've heard it quoted many times, in everything give thanks for what? This is the will of God for you. Okay? In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Okay? I have been cut out of numerous cars. I've thanked God every time that I was able to be cut out of numerous cars. Okay? One accident was mine, my fault. The five others, I was hit by someone else. God protected me. Yeah, but you got hurt. Yeah, but God protected me. You see what I'm saying? Do you ever notice that Christian life is not a glass half empty? It's how much is it full? And if you're filled with the Spirit, you can thank God. You know, I've thanked God when I got called up short, I was doing something wrong, and God made sure that it got found out. you understand what I'm saying to you? God, thank you that you love me enough. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son who receiveth. Christians, you'll never get away with what the world gets away with. You ought to thank God for that. Amen. Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Isn't that amazing? You know, We can spend a lot of time complaining about what's going on. But great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. My peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes what? I'll understand you, so keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Maybe you don't know that. I thank God that God gave me a a wife who is stubborn. Stubborn enough to stick. Amen. I tell people, I do premarital counseling, I do marriage counseling, and I say, you know, I love my wife more than the day we married. I love her more than I did a year ago. She loves me more. But if it wasn't for her relationship with Jesus Christ and my relationship with Jesus Christ, our personalities probably would have caused us to spend so much time angry or upset with each other looking at things that we probably wouldn't be together. I thank God for a saved wife. Amen? Who loves the Lord? Who loves the Lord more than she loves me? Because if I fail, her love for the Lord will cause her to give me... (laughs) And he added more grace. Where sin did bound, grace did much more. Now that works both ways, ladies. I'm talking because I'm a male, but you need to understand. Have a husband who's gracious? okay? You ever thank God for that? You thank God for your children? Thank God for your parents? See... You'll never know just how good God has been to you till you lose his blessing by your personal actions. When I mean, he has to draw back. You know, we teach him in, in RU and in, in Hope, and so many times we used to, talk, I can remember Shannon talking to people about that. So many times, you start doing, you, you get something right, they get saved, and they're like in your spiritual honeymoon, you're in that period, like there, and you start doing things good, and there's still problems because. You're still reaping from the problems from before. And you get going six, eight months, and all of a sudden the problems disappear. And you get feeling comfortable, and then you know what you end up doing? You start sliding back into that same issue again. And you don't think it's that big a deal, because you know what you're living on then? The blessings that you had earned from before, because God is never in a hurry. And what happens? You go six, eight months to a year, and then all of a sudden, you've worn out your spiritual deposits. And you regard iniquity in your heart, and the Lord doesn't hear you. And because he loves you, he beats the snot out of you. And you don't realize it because, well, he didn't do something to me right after. You know what you better thank God for? That every time you sin, he doesn't hit you with a bolt of lightning right then. He has the right to. Whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. Amen? So sometimes you need to thank God for that. Turn to Psalm 103, and we're going to finish, I promise. Don't get to the place in your life where God has to draw back his blessing and protection. You know, whatsoever things are written aforetime are written for our learning, that three through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. And it tells us in one of the Psalms, God got so tired of dealing with Israel in the wildernesses, and he gave them their request, but sent leanness unto their souls. I've never asked God to take away my tears. Amen? Okay, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name, with all of it. Bless the Lord, all oh my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. When you give them to Him, when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to what, and cleanses from all unrighteousness, and healeth all our diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like an eagle's. I was complaining a little bit, talking about getting up in the morning. But you know, for my birthday, you know what I got? from my kids, I got a new tree stand. And I thank God that every time I can in the fall, I'm able to go climb into a tree stand. I can walk in the woods and climb into a tree stand. Maybe it doesn't mean anything to you, but it means a lot to me. One of the things I really enjoy to do. Okay? The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He make known his ways unto Moses. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Got an anger problem? You need to learn from your Savior. From your heavenly Father, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. Unto the merciful, he gives mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from, transgressions from us. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. He knows. As for man, his days are as grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it and is gone, and in the place thereof shall no "...shall know it no more." The place thereof shall know it no more. "...but the mercy of the Lord is..." What? "...from everlasting to win." "...upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, and do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word." Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now the purpose for those prayer requests and why you should do it, again in First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 it says, for this is what? Good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye might prove, that's try it out, you might prove what is that good, and acceptable, and perfect will of God. There is a purpose for your prayers. And even in that, one, they give glory to God, and two, it brings blessing into your life. Amen? Good night and God bless.